Green Diva's heart wildlife. Who can resist all those videos and images of adorable baby animals? But sometimes these adorable creatures really need our help. Let's celebrate wild animals, learn about them, and do what we can to help them. All right. I'm glad we're talking again to um, the Center for Biodiversity. This time we get a chance to talk to Lorianne Bird. And it isn't spelled bird, but I just think it's wonderfully, um, wonderfully, uh, it's a wonderful last name <laughs> for what she does. We're going to um, talk. She's the Environmental Health Director for the Center for Biodiversity. Hi, Lorianne. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. And we're going to talk today a bit about genetically engineered crops and their effect on wildlife and and what, what what's happening. So, yeah. First, I guess let's just give a little 101 on what genetically engineered crops are. All right. Well, so genetically engineered crops are are crops grown from seeds that have been genetically engineered, which means that the cell barrier of the seed, the cell barrier has been broken in order to create the new, a new organism. So uh-huh. a lot of people say, well, we've been engineering crops for millennia, which is true. We, you know, right. corn used to be a weed called teosente, and we bred it, and we bred it, and bred it, and now we have, you know, delicious sweet corn with these fat, uh, <laughs> yummy curls, yeah, right. kernels. So... It's very different from traditional breeding in that it, you know, happens in a laboratory and <laughs> involves the crossing of a cell barrier. And it happens um, a lot faster than it would in evolution, which could take, you know, hundreds, thousands of years, right? Right. Although, um, you know, conventional crop breeding can happen really fast, too, and it is, you know, it's not necessarily like the most natural okay. process in the world, but genetic engineering is a different and separate process. And I think one thing that's really important to understand is that we're always hearing from industry um, that genetic engineering and genetically engineered crops are essential to feed a hungry world. They're necessary in our fight um, right. to survive in an era of climate change. GE crops will be drought resistant. They'll um, help people overcome nutritional deficiencies and all these things. Yeah. And it might be true that somewhere in labs these kinds of crops might be being developed, but the reality on the ground is that five out of six of every five out of six acres of G crops, eighty-four percent actually, so okay. over five out of six yeah. percent of G crops grown worldwide are engineered for herbicide tolerance. Mm-hmm. So herbicide tolerance meat is a nice way to say that this crop can withstand being drenched with herbicides oh. in a way that would normally kill any other plant. So that's five out of six acres of G crops worldwide. So you know when you hear this whole like necessary for a hungry world. These plants are not engineered for increased yield or anything like that. They're engineered so that you can apply herbicides indiscriminately. Oh, that's, that's, and so that obviously has a, not, I don't even want to, you know, think about the implications of eating them ourselves, but, but the wildlife that, that is surrounding these crop, these fields, right? Absolutely. Um, in fact, we just submitted a petition uh, several months ago for monarch butterflies to be listed under the Endangered Species Act because they're now threatened with extinction. Oh. And these are, you know, these are a magnificent species, numbering oh. in the millions, a huge, iconic part of everyone's childhood, really. Yes. And um, they're so important for us. And 
they their number one threat is the use of glyphosate, which is the most commonly used herbicide in herbicide-tolerant crops. Um, so monarch butterflies have experienced a 90% decline. Um, Whoa. In, yeah. Wait a minute. Did you just say 90%? Nine oh, yeah. That's, that's crazy right. and very upsetting. I mean who very, doesn't very, very who doesn't love that analogy about the butterfly? You know, the whole thing. I mean it's very meaningful and they are just magnificent creatures. They're and they're also magnific- pollinators, right? Um to, to a very limited extent. Okay. Monarch, monarchs are not okay. pollinators, but some butterflies are. And actually, um native native um bugs do a huge amount of pollination that we totally take for granted. We usually take, you know, think about honeybees and those kinds of pollinators, but we don't think so much about the native pollinators and the services they provide us and the whole ecosystem. But the reason for the monarch decline is the widespread adoption of GE crops, and yeah. amongst other things. I'm yeah. not saying that a rough winter doesn't hurt the monarch yeah, or things right. like that. Right. But um, so just on corn and soybean, the most, the vast majority of corn and soybeans are genetically engineered for herbicide tolerance. Yeah. Dude. And they were, um, that technology was approved in the mid-90s. So in 1995, USDA said that total Roundup or glyphosate use on corn and soybeans was about 10 million pounds annually. In, <sighs> in 2013, wow. so less than 20 years later, the total Roundup use on those crops 204 million pounds. So over a 20-fold increase. Oh. So that has massive impacts on all species, yeah. um, like the monarch butterflies that I just mentioned. And you know, Monarchs are really iconic species, and it's really easy to see what's happening with them. But there are a lot of other species that are suffering significantly also as a result of this well, massive increase. It in must get into use. the water supplies? And Absolutely. The water table and the soil? Absolutely. Uh, so does that mean like even like worms might be affected by this and then the bird picks up the worm? I don't know. I'm just like kind The of... cascading ecosystem effects are massive, yeah. Oh, gosh. So what other wildlife other than the monarch butterflies, like you said, which are kind of easy to see what's happening because it's very dramatic and they're, they're very um, easy to see, I suppose. But what other things are being noted out there? Well, some of the really important tiny species that make a whole ecosystem function are affected. Um, for example, caddisflies, those tiny little flies that fish jump out of the water to eat. Those uh-huh. are affected by glyphosate. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, fr- from the big guys to the little ones. And glyphosate, or Roundup, um, as it's commercially called, is considered in the world of pesticides to be a somewhat benign pesticide. Really? Um, it's, it's not the worst one out there. Oh. <laughs> um, and so that was why, you know, that was sort of the idea behind making these crops that we were resistant to it, was that we would use less worse pesticides. But I think this massive increase in glyphosate was certainly unforeseen. And one of the things that's happened as a result is that all these weeds have become resistant yeah. to glyphosate. Right. And uh, have evolved, <laughs> have evolved this resistance. And so now, farmers and land managers are forced to use increasingly toxic herbicides to manage the super weeds that have evolved to resist Roundup. Um, yeah, yeah. And this... these these impacts are really well known. Um, 
In fact, last year I submitted a petition on behalf of the Center for Food Safety, Center for Biological Diversity, and a number of other groups um, asking U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to ban the use of GE crops and bee-killing insecticides on the National Wildlife Refuge System um, because these impacts are so unacceptable and the refuges are created for the American people to, um, yeah. as refuges for our wildlife. <laughs> There's no yeah. other way to say it. They're refuges. Right. Um, and actually, Fish and Wildlife went ahead and agreed with the petition and has taken action to ban GE crops on the National Wildlife Refuge nice. System in recognition of the good. harm that they cause for all species. Well, good job. I'm sure I signed it because I know this stuff really upsets me and I get your newsletter. So. Oh, great. Uh, I'm sure I signed it, but is there any new action taking place that you want to tell our listeners about? Oh, um, well, just yesterday we delivered half a million petitions to the White House uh, asking them to take action on pollinators. Um, so that was very exciting, and um, we're making good progress on getting monarchs protected, so there are always new opportunities coming up for that. We just had All a right. comment period close a couple of days ago, so definitely keep your eye out. Um, good. There, there are always things coming up, and uh, the best way to get information on when a new opportunity to take action arises is to go to our website, www.biologicaldiversity.org. And you can sign up for our action alerts there. And I know that there will be a post going along with this podcast, and you guys are great about sharing information so that we can uh, make sure everybody knows what's going on and where to go. That's right. Thank you so much, Lorianne. I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Divas Heart Wildlife. Please visit thegreendivas.com, that's T-H-E, greendivas.com, to learn more about wildlife, nature, and a whole lot more.